But this morning, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, specifically in verses 9 through 21. I was praying about what text of scripture the Lord wanted us to teach this morning. And for a few weeks, uh, I was waiting on the Lord. When you have all of God's word to choose from, man, it's a challenge in the best way because it's all so good. But when Pastor Blake last week briefly spoke at the end of the teaching on Romans 12, he read through it. And like I said, especially in verses 9 through 21, it was evident that this was the passage. And if you guys would turn me down, please, a little bit. It coincides just beautifully with where we have been in Scripture as of late in the Sermon on the Mount. I love how Paul in these verses that we're going to read this morning just communicates many different exhortations to us. As, as, as how, how believers we are to live and walk out our faith in Jesus. And this morning, we're going to work slowly through this text. And we're going to be challenged by this fantastic section of Scripture that really isn't going to require us to, require us to do a ton of dissecting, but Paul speaking very straightforward and encouraging us to apply these things to our life. So my prayer this week as I was studying this scripture would be just for us in this room as the body of Christ to have soft hearts, soft soil. And as we read and hear the loving urging from God's word, may we not just be hearers but doers of it. That we would be humble and we would examine our hearts, allowing God's word to encourage us to righteousness. So the title this morning is simple. It's Paul's Exhortation. Let's get started. We're going to read verses 9 through 21 together, then we're going to come back and go verse by verse slowly. So Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. Father, soften our hearts. God, may all the distractions of this world and our life fade away, fall away now. And may, God, we just truly be able to read and understand and apply your word to our lives. Father, may we be a church that loves each other well, that, it, that laziness is far from us. God, we would passionately serve you in, these, in this building and outside. God, we would minister and give and, and serve all around us. 
And may our love be genuine towards you and with each other. God, I pray that, Lord, we wouldn't just be hearers or readers, but doers of your precious, holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go back up to verse 9. Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. So how should we love each, other's, each other as followers of Christ? Well, without hypocrisy, without partiality. It's not pretending, which isn't love. But rather, with a genuine, true, and sincere selfless love. See, it's letting our love with our family and friends and in our workplaces be genuine. It's truly caring, intentional, and serving them without regard of self. It's that selfless, sacrificial agape love that God extends to us daily. Paul is saying, don't be fake with our love. We aren't as believers to portray love on the outside and, and in our actions, but, but inwardly, it be not sincere. It be fake. Speak all nice to the, face, to the face in person, but behind the angel's back, speak evil. Paul is speaking against this kind of pretend hypocrisy love. I love 1 John 3.18. be on the screen. And it's, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't love with hypocrisy. Rather, our love, let it be in what we do, and then in truth. So in deed and in truth, in action and in sincerity. People are going to notice that. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. The challenge I often encourage our youth is when new individuals walk in this room, may you love them and may they see that your love for each other is different. That agape love it's that love we can only give when we received it first from the Lord. We love because he first loved us. Continuing on verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. So how should we, excuse me, continue on verse 9. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Here Paul is exhorting us to abhor, to hate evil, and to cling, hold fast to what is good. A prayer oft, that I would encourage us often to pray was, Lord, may I detest, may I hate what you hate, and may I cling, may I hold to your goodness and your word. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. As believers, we aren't called to have this standoffish, coldish attitude. Rather to be, as Paul says, kindly affectionate with a brotherly love, right, putting others before ourselves. Example is like here in the church, may we seek to love one another with a gentle, kind, loving spirit and service and honoring one another unto the Lord. Jesus is always the perfect example, and he set before us the example of this. He shared his love for his disciples, not only with his words verbally, but with his Life, he lived the perfect example, and the cross stands as the forever reminder of his selfless, sacrificial love for us all. So may we imitate Jesus by, by serving, by loving, and sacrificing our time for others. Thinking of each other first, 
and being intentional to put our interests behind the interests and needs of those around us. So for me, it's my relationship with my heavenly father. It's my relationship with my beautiful bride. It's the relationship I have with my daughter. It's you guys, and it's me. Paul would write this later on in Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Amen. And we be a church that continues to be kindly affectionate towards one another, serving and putting others before ourselves. May we decrease, so the Lord increases. Verse 11, that lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Don't be slothful. Laziness doesn't belong in the life of a believer. It says, rather, be fervent, Paul says. In other words, be passionate, enthusiastic in all we do. Specifically here, he's speaking of in our service for the Lord. Speaking from experience, how easy is it? I got child care this weekend. I'm the greeter. I got youth group. It's rare, but it happens. And Paul, inspired by God, is communicating to us this should not be. And I think we would all agree that serving the Lord is an absolute blessing. It's a blessing, a joy. Like, who are we that we get to serve the Most High God? Who are we that even the gifts that he does, he extends the gifts? It's nothing that I do, uh, anything I do in my flesh is, is nothing to be proud of. He extends the gifts to me. And I have the honor and blessing to walk in those gifts when I'm walking by the Spirit. And in doing so, my heart and posture should be for his glory. So he gives the gifts. We use the gifts and the glories for him. Everything is revolving our great and mighty God. He gives gifts for his glory. And it's a joy. And we indeed should be fervent and enthusiastic in the honor it is to partake in whatever ministry that is. Whatever ministry the Lord has called us to, we all, every one of us, is called to serve the Lord. And it's not just here in the four walls of the church. Every facet of our lives, may we, may we serve and be diligent and passionate, unto, serve and, and, and be passionate in our service unto the Lord. And I love, last week, I, um, I worked at Chick-fil-A and I was in high school, and one of, one of their main things was... Um, was going the second mile, second mile service. And obviously they got that from the Sermon on the Mount we read last week in Matthew 5, 38 through 42. But it's a good reminder that in all we do, may we go the second mile. We may not have um, Romans forcing us to carry their swords or that kind of stuff, but may in all we do seek to not just do the bare minimal, but seek to, to go over and beyond, not to please the eyes of man, but to honor and glorify our God. 
And Jesus says, it is better to give than to receive. I'm just 24, but in my life so far, I can say that's an amen. It's, it is better to give than to receive. But I often forget that reality. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. I love this verse. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, steadfastly in prayer. We're called to rejoice in our hope. We're rejoicing in our hope. It's a continual. So what is that hope? As followers of Christ, it is the eternal living hope we have in Jesus. His life, his death, and his resurrection. For those who believe in the name of the Jesus, in the name of Jesus, are saved. It's rejoicing in that hope that we have in Jesus. I was once dead, I'm now alive. Romans 15, 12 through 13, you, you might just be able to flip a page, depending on how big your Bible is. But Paul speaks of this hope. So Romans 15, 12 through 13. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles, shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Followers of Christ, followers of Christ, may we rejoice and be reminded of the eternal hope we have in Jesus. In my workplace, many people um, that I work with, I would say almost everyone, isn't a believer, isn't saved. And as I hear about their life testimony and stuff that's going on, it's often a reminder of how blessed I am of the hope I have in Jesus. Even with what's going on in Israel and all what's going on, everything. As a follower of Christ, as a, as a born-again believer in Jesus, man, I, especially as, as of recent, I have been reminded of this hope. And I just rejoice in that, and I get to share that hope. And now's a good time to share the hope. It always is. But right now, people are asking questions. I don't know um, what you guys experience in your workplaces or in your family, but, but uh, I've had a lot of opportunity recently in my workplace to share the hope of Jesus. Fear is, is, uh, is being spread in, in the world right now, and, and um, also a ton of lies. Um, and, and in that, we get to share truth, and we get to share our hope, and it is a joy to do so. So may we pray for those opportunities and be ready to share the hope we have in Jesus. If we go back to verse 12, if you just look at it again, I believe Paul is really giving us, Paul inspired by God, is giving us a, a guide when in season of tribulation and suffering. You see, when we are rejoicing in hope that we have in Jesus, our eternal life, it will produce within us patience in times of tribulation, in times of suffering, especially when it's all rooted in continual steadfast prayer. So church, may we in times of suffering on this temporary earth rejoice in the eternal hope we have in Jesus. Remind ourselves of the joy of our salvation. 
because of our faith in the Son of God and Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. It puts a perspective. It reminds us that our life on this earth is temporary, and as believers, we are to set our mind and heart and things and our treasure in heaven and the eternal. And God's word and the souls around us on this earth, those are eternal, eternal things. So may our perspective be that of uh, our hope, our salvation, and, and, and have an eternal mind laying our treasures in heaven and finding our truth in God's word and, and seeking to share the good news of Jesus, the hope of Jesus to those around us. But when we rejoice in our hope, we're going to, it's going to provide us and give us patience in the tribulation because we have a, a focus of the eternal, reminding that this life is temporary, the sufferings are temporary. And then when we continue in that time of um, suffering and, and, and continuing in prayer and that peace that comes, I think we all can agree there. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I love this verse. Because, you know, I think when I, as I was studying it, I just, as a church, I'm so proud as I read this verse, um, not in, in, in who we are, but in who the Lord, and as we uh, love each other with the Lord's love, just I see this in this, this body, that, that we're, we're, we're generous to one another. And, and we're hospitable. I mean, I, I know there's many of you guys have opened your doors for the youth ministry, have opened your doors for Kate and I to have dinner, and, and, uh, but we can always grow. And so may we do that. May we just continue to not look for the interests of others, our interests of our own interests first, but for the interest of others. And when we have the opportunity to host, may we do so. May we be hospitable to each other. And what this does what Paul's communicating, what it ultimately does, it, it, it leads to our hands being open. Because when we are looking to, to, to give to those around us, give to the Lord and open our home, we're, we're, we're allowing our hands to be open for what all the Lord has given us. All the blessings the Lord has blessed us with, we are, what we're doing is we're blessing others with that. We're blessing others with what God has blessed us with, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's what Paul's calling us to. Not just our words, right? But with, with what we have and, and, and with what God has given us in action and genuineness. And then just a quick reminder, and then Pastor Wake's going to teach on this pretty soon, but when we do that, when we do serve each other, when we do open our home, may we do so as Jesus commands us in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, in secret. Turn there if you like. It's, I believe it's going to be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 4. Jesus gives us an encouragement to when we are serving, when we are giving, what our heart postures should be. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So when we serve, when we bless others, 
Let it not be for the applause of man, but in secret unto the Lord. It's a good reminder. Not for the eyes of man, but Lord, may our service be for you and your glory. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So just because we may have someone who's come against us, persecuted, hated, as believers, we are called to bless, to love. Looks a lot different than what the world portrays and what they encourage. That's the point. Pastor Blake next week is going to speak extensively on this. I would imagine so, because in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus shares the same message. That's where Paul got this. Uh, And Jesus shares this message that we are called to love our enemies and bless those who curse you. So I won't spend too much time here, but one quick point. To love our enemies in our flesh, in our our natural sinful um, being, it is impossible It's only when we are submitted to the Holy Spirit are we able to love our enemies. Can't do it on our own. So Lord, may you help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to love those who hate us. Verse 15 through 16, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So if one of us in here in the body of Christ is rejoicing, may we rejoice with each other. Whether that's marriage, a baby, new job, good health, etc., celebrating with them. It is a joy to do life together. It's a joy. God has every single one in this room right here, right now. And it is a joy to do life together. May we not isolate ourselves but may we sincerely, one, first and foremost, take, uh, attend to the needs of our home. That's, what, that's, my, that's my job, first and foremost. But then to uh, partake and to do life together as the body of Christ. Go to the sports games. Go over to the house when they're inviting you, even though, you know, you're tired, you're exhausted. Like, just be, being in a position to... Um, do life together. I mean, that, that's, as, as, I just furthermore want to encourage us in that because it's, it's, what, we, it's what we do. It's what, if you read Acts, that's what they did. They did life together. But in a, in a season of rejoicing, maybe rejoice. And then also, likewise, when one of us is maybe in a season of suffering, let us join together and support that individual in the tough circumstance and weep when they weep. Being considerate of others and and what's going on in their lives is, is important. Paul's stating this. And once again, putting others' interests before our own. Love, end of verse 16, says, my version, New King James Version, says, do not be wise in your own opinion. Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. We shouldn't think we know it all. It's shameful to do so. So Proverbs 11.2 says, With humility comes wisdom. 
And uh, we're in James in, in our youth group, and we're speaking a lot of, on humility. James is really inspired by God, is, is, is really encouraging our, what he's doing is he's encouraging our heart posture before the Lord to be humble. It's important that we recognize who we are. I love Psalm, uh, the, Psalm 100 because it just talks about he is Lord. He is the potter. We are the clay. And a lot of times we can uh, become prideful, and what that does is, 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 is it, we forget of our position as a child unto the Father, as a, as, a, as a willing servant unto the Lord. And ultimately, our opinion doesn't matter if it doesn't align with God's word. It doesn't matter. As believers, God's word is our truth. The foundation, the standard that we live upon. It's important. And once again, as, as a youth group, that's something that I know the Lord is, um, it, was, it was discipled in me, and, and, and I want to disciple it in the youth, that our truth does not come from uh, social media, doesn't come from uh, maybe the, the, the school teachers. It comes from God's word. And the enemy is doing a good job uh, of deceiving uh, those who are looking at or looking to find truth in anywhere other than God's word. Our opinion, our view on everything on this earth should be through the lens of God's word. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth, from his words, come knowledge and understanding. Lord gives wisdom. Less of us, more of you, Lord. Verse 17 through 18. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible, indicates what? It may not always be possible to live peaceably with all men. However, Paul is encouraging us as much as depends on you. We can't force others to want reconciliation. We can't force others to make peace in a relationship. But as much as depends on us, we are called to seek and to make peace. Matthew 5, 9, blessed, happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So when there's strife in a relationship, our job isn't to fix them, but in our heart and in our lives, we are to one, if, if, it, you know, if there's sin involved there, to one, go to the Father, ask for forgiveness, grow there, but then to seek to make peace with the individual. Can't force them to, for, to, to, to change their mind and, and, to, and to want peace. That's what that's what Paul is saying, but as much as depends on us, we are to live peaceably with all men. When there's strife, may we seek to make peace. There's no excuse. I mean, there's individuals in my life that, yes, they have hurt me greatly. But God's, God's word, his standard is encouraging me to, to take my, myself out of that equation and, and to love them and to serve them and to seek to make peace. 
Because when we, when we ultimately know that there's some strife in a relationship and we are not desiring to make peace, to seek peace, we ourselves are holding ourselves in bondage. And a lot of times, in those times of um, relationships that are maybe, uh, that, that, that have strife, the individual who may, might have hurt us, they're doing fine, but it's ourself who is uh, rolling around in this strife, in this lack of peace, and, and, uh, and it's our job as followers of Christ to go and to make peace, to set ourselves aside. There was a circumstance in my life recently where this happened. I won't go into great detail for time's sake because it's not in where I have uh, in the notes, but, but it is, uh, it, there was an individual that hurt me greatly for many years, and uh, I got to a point when I recognized that I was sinning, and we'll talk about more of this in a little bit, but I was sinning because I was allowing those, in, that individual's um, actions towards me to affect my reaction, and it was causing me to sin and, and, and I had, as Pastor Blake mentioned kind of uh, this with a, a former pastor in his life, but, but I, every time I think of this individual, I'd get so bitter and angry, and, and, and it, it was causing me to, to be in sin, and I, and I wasn't forgiving. I wasn't letting go, um, and, and, and I truly didn't want peace in that relationship. And then this is like this past summer, or it, it happened where I saw this individual and it was like the Lord just gave me just a desire and a love for this individual. And I walked over and I shook this person's hand and, um, and there was reconciliation and there was peace. And um, am I perfect at this? Absolutely not. But I'm using this as an example of a circumstance where the Lord, uh, through just me seeing him and instantly going, Ugh. and then me just going to the Lord and going, Lord, give me a heart of love for this individual. May I take myself out and may I go and, make, and desire to make peace. All that it depends on me. May I live peacefully with all men. And when I walked over and this individual and I had a great conversation and there was peace, there was reconciliation. And it was all those years of hurt and pain. Man, they just went. Whew. And it's freedom. There's so much freedom in that. And, and Paul's encouraging us to that. Inspired by God. God wants that for us in those relationships. So as much as depends on us, may we do that. May we go and seek to make peace. Verses 19 through 21. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our initial reaction oftentimes is to anyone who opposes us, anyone who seeks us harm or has, has, has done us harm is for us to get, get revenge. Paul, in quoting Proverbs, reminds us that vengeance is of the Lord. So instead of returning evil for evil, we are called as children of God to serve and love our enemies. I love what verse 20 says. If you read it again. If, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Serving, loving our enemies. King David gives for us a beautiful example of this. In 1 Samuel, 
of not seeking revenge with our enemies, but to trust in the Lord. Some of y'all may know the story, but King Saul, out of jealousy and fear, hunted David for a very long period of time. And he hunted him with the intent to kill. 1 Samuel 18, 18, 12 says that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. But he had departed from Saul. Saul, and out of his jealousy and fear, forced David to leave all he knew in Israel in order to flee the wrath of Saul. Saul was making David's life, I think we all would agree, difficult. Very difficult. David on Mole, I mean, David was in caves. I mean, he, you know, he was hiding. He was fleeing. Uneasy, not knowing when Saul might find where he's at and not knowing um, what the next day would bring, if he would be alive or not. Actually, I believe he was holding on to the promises of God. So, um, so on whether or not Paul would, or Saul would find him or not. Was revenge was at his fingertips. I mean, at, Paul, at David's fingertips. I mean, revenge was there on two big occasions. First Samuel chapter 24 and 26. I mean, David had, I mean, those are really cool chapters. You, you know, write that down, go read it later. But David had at his fingertips the opportunity of revenge. I mean, in First in, in Samuel chapter 24, I mean, w- w- David and his men are hiding in, 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 in a cave, and Saul, in his pursuit of David, goes, ah, oh, this looks like a good one to go to the restroom, man, and walks into the same cave that David and his men are, and he's going to the restroom, and the opportunity is there for revenge. It's right there. And David and his men, are really, his men are going, get him, David. Paraphrasing, but get him, David. This is the opportunity. Here it is. And David refrains. David lived out well in those sections of Scripture of not returning evil for evil, not seeking his own vengeance, rather trusting in the Lord and his promises. That's what I was kind of backing up earlier. What I meant by that was uh, God promised to David that he would be the next king. So he knew, ultimately, God was going to remove Saul and place David in that position. He didn't need to interfere with the work of God. Rather, he trusted in the Lord and his promises. And the heart there is, in the circumstance like I mentioned with that individual in my life, it would have been easy for me to seek revenge. I, I actually, often it, I wanted to do it, but, but, but it, it, the opportunities were, were there. And even in that conversation I had when I approached him, the opportunity was there to, I mean, he, I mean, the, I mean, he was broken for his actions. And I, I, could have, I could have just called out every single one and used this as an opportunity to really get him. And in my flesh, I wanted to, but man, I'm thankful for the spirit of the living God within me. And revenge was an opportunity for David. Revenge was an opportunity for me in that moment. But when I forgave him long before that conversation, it was just me surrendering it to the Lord and going, Lord, this, is, this, is, this circumstance and those actions, I want to give them to you. And I want to trust in you that, Lord, you're going to do the work in his heart. And I pray, that he w- I pray that you would. I pray that you would convict 
And I pray that you would grow this individual so he can grow closer to you. And, 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 but Lord, can you please change my heart of anger towards this individual, uh, of evil? Toward, I, I mean, I would just think of evil things just, just out of anger. And I, just, uh, I really see David just, just walking in this, of this the opportunity right there and, 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 leave, and, and just refraining because he trusted in the Lord and that he was going to do whatever his will was, and he was trusting. And I love Proverbs 20, 22, which would later be written by David's son, Solomon. But it says, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. I often want to take circumstances and control them and do them myself and, and figure out a, a problem solution. I figure it out. Proverbs 20-22 says, wait for the Lord. I need to wait for the Lord more. It's not our place to seek revenge. May we serve, love, and pray for our enemies. Quick clarification, I just think it's important. I love that Pastor Blake mentioned this last week. What, I'm not, what, what, what Paul's not communicating, and what obviously what I'm not communicating, is, is that we shouldn't defend ourselves and our family from the attacks of others. Love protects. And that's, that's, not what, that's not what God's word is saying here at all. Rather that we shouldn't go out of our way to seek vengeance. It's not our place. So may we all grow in just handing those circumstances to the Lord. There's so much freedom, so much peace in that. Let's reread together verse 21, so we'll finish out. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let any evil actions towards us. May we not let any evil actions towards us overcome us into falling into sin. Don't let maybe another individual and their evil coming toward, don't let it overcome you. That's what Paul's saying. But overcome that evil with good. And how do we do that? He gave us the, he gave us the examples in the previous verses by serving them, by loving them, by giving them over to the Lord. Church, we aren't responsible for other people's actions towards us. However, we are responsible for our reaction to them. May our reaction be that of overcoming evil with good, loving our enemies, and serving them. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Worship team, you can come on up. We touched on a lot of things this morning. Be encouraged. We are all constantly being sanctified. We are all constantly growing in the grace and knowledge of our great and mighty God. And it is a joy to do so. It is a joy. As I spent time studying God's word this week, oh man, I, the Lord was just working in my heart. He was working in my life. There's a lot of things we just went over that the Lord, uh, Lord knows I'm, I'm growing in. So may we all continue to grow in God's word together as the body of Christ. So my challenge this week for, for us is that we would all meditate on this section of scripture. That we at home would, would, would in our quiet times, and along with what we're already studying, just go verse by verse. That we wouldn't just be readers or hearers, but doers of God's holy word. Let's apply it in our lives. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. We're going to do uh, personal communion this, this Sunday, so if you would, just do it with, partake it with your family. Uh, 
yeah, let's, let's apply these things. Let's be encouraged. It's a joy to have God's word as our lamp to our feet and a light into our path. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to uh, be in relationship with you through your son, Jesus. He's the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. So, Father, may we die to ourselves continuously. May we not walk by our flesh, but by your spirit. Fill us. May we be reminded of the hope we have in your son, Jesus. And I pray over this room, God, if anybody in here does not have that hope, has, has yet to receive the free gift of eternal life by your son, Jesus, may they do so today. There's no greater joy, no greater peace than that of knowing I am saved by your son Jesus and his blood that was shed on the cross. It's nothing I have done or can do. It's all in just receiving that gift. And so God, I pray that over this room. And God, I pray that we would not just be hearers, would not just be readers, but doers of your word. I pray everyone in here would, would, would desire and, and, and continue to have that personal devotion with you. What a joy it is, God the creator of the universe, that is you, most high God, desires a relationship with, with me? Thank you, God. We love you. We thank you. This worship is for you. May we sing and praise your name. May we do so in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>